the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Did I mention that Christy Noam is a superstar? Just in case I haven't mentioned it uh, recently, uh, by now you have to know that uh, Christy Noam is the governor of South Dakota. That's a state where, you know, America still feels like America because of uh, freedom. Remember that? The state's never been shut down, never had a mask mandate. People wear masks, but there's no mandate. Compare that to what we've had to deal with here in Pennsylvania with a clueless, uh, terrified, and uh, power-hungry governor, and until recently, a very confused director of health. Very, very confused. And now uh, there are people running around out there all over the place saying we should wear two masks and uh, we have a president now saying that uh, we should all wear one for, uh, you know, maybe just till the rest of the year. This is the second month of the year, so that would take us another, like, 10, 11 months before we would be able to get rid of these ridiculous things. And then he'd, you know that he'd make it a federal law if he could. Well, with all that in mind, check out this exchange from a press conference with Governor Noam. Joe? Uh, you've been re- resistant to uh, implement mask mandates. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're skeptical of their efficacy at times. I never said that, Joe. Don't put uh, words in my mouth. Well, humor me here. A what bit. I've said is the appropriate mask at the appropriate time utilized correctly and kept sanitary can make a difference. But I also don't believe it's my role to mandate that people wear a mask. Sure. I've left for the entire year it up to personal responsibility to make the best decisions for them and their families, and I'll continue to do that. So now that the CDC is recommending two masks... Well, the you, CDC has changed their recommendations many, many times. In fact, we've seen the CDC change their recommendations based on political pre- pressure in the past. I choose to rely on science and data and facts, and masks can work in certain situations if you're wearing the right kind and you're doing it appropriately. But I'm not going to mandate it. It's not an argument over whether masks work or if they don't work. I've never argued that. What I argue is the mandate. I think the mandate is inappropriate for government to come in and mandate that somebody wear a mask. And I think it's inappropriate for us to shame people who choose not to wear a mask. That's not what America is about, and it's not what South Dakota is about. So no double mask mandate coming? Not coming in South Dakota. So um, I will not be doing that, that's for sure. How about that? Not coming to South Dakota. She does not back down. And the the, the way that that uh, it sounded like a nerd at the <laughs> At the press, sorry, but he did at the press conference that mealy-mouthed uh, questioner. The way he put the question, well, you know, they're they're now mandating, they're now suggesting two masks. This guy, just I, I you know, obviously don't know, but I, just based on that little bit of evidence, I'd say that he would wear twelve masks if they told him. Just based on the way he asked the question. Meanwhile, uh, we still have closed schools here in Western Pennsylvania. And we, as far as I know, uh, have closed or heavily restricted churches, synagogues, and mosques. I think they're still closed. I haven't heard of a local priest or minister or, or anybody involved with a, a house of worship being handcuffed and put in jail for holding a service yet. But when we come back, we're going to talk to the attorney for one who has. Stick around. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through dollar 
bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood, and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. Over 10 years ago, we realized how important saving family memories was, and we wanted to help. Legacy Box started from that passion and has now helped over 850,000 families digitally preserve their film reels, VHS tapes, and photos. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. What started with the two of us in a garage is now over 200 trained professionals. Legacy Box is a safe and secure way to put all your favorite family memories on an easy-to-view digital format like a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. We ship you a sturdy Legacy Box to fill with all your outdated media, safety barcodes to track your items throughout the process, and a prepaid mailing label. Legacy Box has been featured by Good Morning America and the Today Show. Not bad for two kids in a garage. That's true, Nick. And here's the best part. We always wanted to make it affordable to preserve your entire collection. So we are offering 40% off. Go to LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to take advantage of this exclusive offer. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to save 40%. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. Sounds and pounds of fur. Our hairballs have hairballs. Our cat mama, she's 10 years old. She has dandruff and an oily coat. I have two cats, Zippy and Daisy. Daisy sheds like crazy. If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats, and my cat has been on it for two weeks. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. It is just the best. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I would seen the changes in my dog. To introduce my cat to Dynavite, I took the advice from Dynavite and put their food on top of just a scoop in the bowl just to get them used to it because I know if I even switch one little thing, they put their nose up to it. There was not one problem. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. 2021's the perfect time to add a healthy new habit to your daily wellness routine. Good nasal hygiene. We all know there's bad stuff in the air, allergens, bacteria, viruses, and that some of it's very dangerous. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can clean your nose with Navage. Your nose is the body's air filter, and with Navage, you help your body defend itself by flushing out the crud and germs. I'm Martin Hoke, and I invented Navage, the world's only nose cleaner with powered suction. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and it has over 40,000 online reviews averaging 4.7 stars. Join millions of Navage users to relieve congestion and allergies, breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Let 2021 be the year you start cleaning your nose with Navage. N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Navage. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the last I heard, Pastor James Coates was still in jail outside of Edmonton, Alberta. That's Canada, in case you didn't know. Uh, he's still there, as far as I know, for violating the Public Health Act. Uh, too many people in church or something like that, and not enough social distancing, apparently. His attorney is James Kitchen of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and he joins us now. James, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, so, so James, uh, was he led away in handcuffs, or uh, has he ever been handcuffed and put in leg irons? Uh, what happened when he was actually... Um, put under, I guess he's put under arrest. He was put in jail. The RCMP asked, asked him to turn himself in uh, following the last service here on, on Sunday the 14th. He did that. Um, but when he was led away from the police station to the remand center, the, 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 the jail where he is now, uh, he was led away in handcuffs. And uh, a report I have from somebody who saw him is that he was also led away in ankle cuffs or, or shackles. Now, I haven't been able to confirm that, and that would be unusual, but if that's indeed the case, very concerning to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you never know. He might get loose and start, you know, he would just terrorize the entire community. Um, well, that seems to be the approach that, that they've taken to him. <laughs> so, 
you guys uh, also have a constitution, apparently, uh, that guarantees your rights up there. Is the pastor still in jail? He is. He is. Now, it needs to be known, though, there was, there was a bail hearing, and uh, the Justice right. of the Peace at the bail hearing ordered his release, even though the Crown asked for him to be detained in jail. But the condition of the release was that he stopped holding church as he has with, uh, you know, the people over, over the set mounts and not distance, etc., as you mentioned. And, of course, I mean, that goes against his beliefs, right? Uh, so it, it, it would violate his conscience to sign that condition. So he didn't, and that's why he was kept in jail, because he didn't sign the condition of his release. Well, how long can he stay in jail if he continues to re- uh, refuse to sign? Indefinitely? Well, in- indefinitely until the trial for his charges uh, for breaching the public health orders that, uh, that are applicable up here. And I don't have a, I don't have a date for that yet, so that could be a month or two from now. And if a month or two from now he's found guilty, uh, what's the what's the possible sentence beyond a, beyond a fine? Nothing actually. Um, there is there is no um, jail time that is envisioned as a possible uh, punishment for breaching um, the public health orders up here. So we do find ourselves in a very strange and I would say unjust situation in which he's currently being held in jail. For, for an offense for which, if he's even convicted, he cannot be held in jail. Now, that's interesting. Um, is that extremely rare for that to, hap- for that to happen to somebody? Uh, in my experience, yes, it would be. But, uh, you know, we are so, in a situation where the rule of law has been somewhat thrown out the window the last year. But what would be the, what would be the other... What what other plan could the uh, could law enforcement have if if they can't confine him, then uh, and then they can fine him and make him pay money when he refuses to pay the money? What's what's their recourse? Beyond that, I uh, I don't know. I, I think that they would they would change tactics and 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 try something else, right? I mean, one of the approaches that's been taken is to is to close down. Um, facilities and to barricade them and blockade them and change the locks, etc. Now, I'm not aware of that happening to a church. Well, no, I'm aware of it happening to one church in Canada uh, for one Sunday, but other than that, that hasn't really happened much yet, but that would be an option I could see being engaged by the government at some point here. So he, he could, if he gets out of uh, jail, he could show up at the church and hold a service. They could come and take him out and board up the church. Yeah, if they wanted to. If there was the political will for that, we could see that happen. Now, was was this this is for this was this case handled by the RCMP? That would be the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and then did they come in on horseback? (laughs) They did not. Uh, They they did with a particular barbecue uh, place in Ontario. They have not done that yet. That's that's why uh, I asked. (laughs) No, I haven't seen that yet, but that's. You know, that's what we could see. That, that, that's possible. That's, I mean, I, I, people may think I'm, I'm being facetious. Oh, I am being facetious, kind of, but I'm basing it on there was a story up there. Explain to people uh, what you're talking about, the barbecue, what happened with the, the Mounties coming in on horseback. So, yeah, that, that's called Adam Skelly's Barbecue. Um, just a little old roadside restaurant, barbecue place. Um, but, you know, the owner is, is uh, very independent-minded and, and – uh, he decided he didn't want to comply with the public health orders. He wanted to open his restaurant and make his, you know, make his money. And, uh, you know, the, the, the local authorities there decided to be very heavy-handed and sent in, I think, roughly 30 police, maybe about six or so horses. And they had a complete uh, blockade uh, of the building and just stood there and, uh, and held the place captive. And then this is all going on because of COVID, obviously. Now... Well, well, <laughs> or it's all going on because of the because of the government's overreaction to COVID. Well, no, no question. But you you are uh, representing you are you work for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Um, has this been a busy time for you because of all this stuff? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. It's 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 like uh, you know it's like being a doctor 
when, uh, you know, a thousand people just got hit with Chapel and they're running around trying to save their lives. Um, that's, you know, that's what it's like for Liberty's lawyer right now. We're just, we're just so, running so off our feet. So you're getting calls all the time from people who, who want you to defend them based on their constitutional rights being violated. Yeah. That's kind of yes. what you do, we, right? We, I mean, yeah, that's what we do. And we get hundreds of inquiries a week at the Justice Center. It's it's overwhelming. We were busy prior to this, of course. Canada's not exactly the most free place in the world, but uh, it's definitely been exponentially worse since COVID. So, so can you give me some examples of some, like give me an example of a complaint you might get from somebody? Well, it's not uncommon now for us to get calls from people that have been, um, you know, essentially kidnapped by the government and, and, and thrown into a secret hotel um, to, oh, yeah. be, uh, to be quarantined until, you know, they can they can somehow prove they don't have COVID. Um, we get, we, we've been getting a lot of those calls the last two or three weeks because that's been a serious issue up here. Um, but, you know, other than that, I get, I get the calls from the pastors because, you know, the local health inspectors are coming in and harassing them and demanding they do certain things. And, you know, I get calls from the businesses who, you know, didn't follow a particular rule and, and then the health authority came in and tried to close the business down and, you know, and then I get a call from the protester, the peaceful protester who tried to go down to the local, you know, city hall or legislature and peacefully protest outside um, what they see to be government overreach and, and oppression and tyranny. And, then, you know, of course, they get a, they get a ticket for, for gathering outdoors. So I get a lot of those calls. It's uh, it's everything under the sun. And um, I mean, we're having the same issues going on here, but I I uh, keep in touch with people up in Canada because I own property up there, and the stuff that I hear, uh, people, uh, I, I, I mean, it doesn't matter to you if you're not a Canadian citizen, I guess, but it should because, to me, it's a sign of what could be coming here next. But I get the feeling that it's actually much worse in Canada right now than it is here. But it's also, as I said, it's a it's a, a great uh, sign of what could happen here if we don't get a hold of it. Yeah, I don't think America's too far behind. Um, obviously, you have, you have a better, better constitution, and from, from everything I've seen, you know, uh, a, a better, a better bench. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see there. I see the gap closing. Oh yeah, but I mean, there's stories up there in Canada of. Uh, we had a story where a guy flew to uh, South Carolina. So actually, to Charlotte, North Carolina, he was visiting his girlfriend. Uh, left around Christmas and came back at the end of January. And when he got off the plane in Toronto, uh, he was met by a couple of government officials and put into a van and taken to a hotel for three days, where he was not allowed to leave. That's what you're talking about, right? I don't think yeah, that's happening yeah. here yet. No, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know, but but I haven't heard reports of that happening down there. That seems to be a uniquely Canadian thing. But it's common up there. Yeah, it's, from everything I can tell, it's common. We we're getting a lot of reports of it, so. And I and I also hear that, uh, it, I mean, the 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 size of the fine if they catch you violating the quarantine. I mean, I'm hearing things like a hundred thousand uh, dollars. If you if you're supposed to be quarantined and they catch you outside of your uh, home or your prison cell, whatever they have you. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. So, for example, Pastor James Coates could theoretically be fined with a hundred thousand dollars if he's convicted. A hundred thousand dollars. Now, um, I, I and we're we're talking to uh, James Kitchen. He's an attorney at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and he's representing Pastor James Coates up there outside of Alberta, uh, outside of Edmonton, Alberta, and he is still in jail because he had the nerve to hold services at his church. Um, I. I'm I, I, I'm surprised. So, number one, I'm kind of disappointed and surprised uh, here in USA and here in, in Pennsylvania that the pastors, uh, the priests, the the rabbis, the the imams, whoever, anybody who's running a, a house of worship, why they don't band together? And uh, you know, I mean, what would happen up there in the little uh, in, in Edmonton, Alberta, if hundreds of churches got together and said this Sunday? We're all having services, and let's have them arrest all of us. What would happen? I mean, if you know, multiple churches just said, "Pardon the expression, the hell with you." <laughs> we we are holding services, and what are you going to do about it? You would see this brought down. You would see the oppression and tyranny and the injustice end. And so I, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> there's a part of me that uh, that wants to see that happen. Because as a civil liberties lawyer, uh, you know, my ultimate goal is, is to maintain a free society. And I'm seeing yeah. the opposite of that right now. And I'd love for the, to see the people throw off their shackles. And, uh, yeah. no, it's, it's you know, the, the same problem you described in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is a problem in Alberta and, and, and in Canada-wide. And until and things I, change, um, you know, these, these, this isn't going to go away. Now, I, ha- I haven't taken a poll of uh, thousands of Canadians, but the, uh, some of the Canadian uh, friends I have and people I know up there have said to me that that's just not what Canadians do. They're not, they don't have the rebellious nature that somehow seems to be in the DNA of American citizens. Not enough of them, if you ask me, but there seems to be more likely to 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 stand up to the government than a, the average Canadian is. Do you get that? Yes, that's absolutely true. It's, it's Why most is unfortunate. that? I think I think it's history and it's culture. Um, you know that 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 has been in the blood of Americans for for what three four hundred years now. Yeah. Um, and that, if that was ever in the blood of Canadians, it, 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 it really fizzled out, especially after we, you know, we, we peacefully formed our nation in 1867. You know, we didn't do it yeah. the same way that you guys did. Um, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't know if I can put my finger on why it's there, but it definitely is there. It's, it's, it's just, it's part of the, the cultural and political aspect of our two different nations. And, and maybe, maybe it is in the blood. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm married to an American and, yeah. uh, you know, she, <laughs> She is dismayed at Canadian. She can't. She can't okay. figure it out. It, it, it baffles her. She she has the same perspective as you do. <laughs> That's really interesting, James. Because the woman that I I talked to up in Canada, who was uh, actually helping us rent our property that we can't use because we're not allowed in the country, uh, she's she's married to an American, and she's one of the people who told me when I said, "Why isn't there rebellion?" Her answer was, "Canadians don't do that." I mean, yep. she just said that's not what we do, and she's she uh, would like to see more of it, and she's really dismayed that they don't. But it's just not going to happen. So, it, it, it's again to me that's a lesson for Americans that if you are always showing a willingness to go along, then the government's going to keep pushing you. And uh, absolutely, and so I, the government will do what they think they can get away with. Right. 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 So. And, and, and you, you see that in Canada because I mean, the, most, the most American area of Canada is Alberta. So, you know, the yeah. government perceives that they can get away with less in Alberta than elsewhere in the country. And that's why you do see slightly more egregious rights infringements uh, elsewhere in the country than in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, Western Canada is more conservative than Eastern Canada. Yes, absolutely. Now, um, so... You're appealing his imprisonment. Are, are you challenging the charges themselves or the constitutionality of the law or both? So we'll be challenging the constitutionality of the public health orders under which he was charged. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's going to be, that, that's going to be the constitutional defense. They'll, 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 they'll be the standard defense of whether or not he actually committed uh, an offense beyond a reasonable doubt. That's going to be, that's going to be there. But uh, the constitutional defense is challenging the public health orders. Are the Mounties just a little embarrassed about having to handcuff ministers or arrest them? I don't know if the, the Mounties actually were involved in handcuffing them, but are they a little uh, bit... You I, know, mean, I, I, I get the sense that, that, that some of the individual officers are, but the RCMP as an organization is not. That's the sense I get, judging them by their behavior, by, by reports of how the individual officers acted. They're a little sheepish about it, but the RCMP as an organization and, and the way that they publicly acted and publicly communicated... Doesn't seem that they're really ashamed about it at all. That would be the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So, um, so the the individual uh, uh, Mountie is just following orders. There's not much he can do. Well, that's just it, right? Yeah. So they're they're kind of stuck. Wow. So where's this going to go? I got about forty five seconds left here. Where, where's this going to go? Is is, uh, is 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 the pastor? Coates, is Pastor Coates going to get out of jail, or is he going to be there for, you know, have a long beard before he gets out? He might get out soon. We are appealing that uh, that release condition to the next level of court here, and if we're successful with that, that condition will be removed, and then he'll be released until trial. The other option, of course, is that at any time, the Crown Prosecutor could change his mind and remove that condition. 
So in this case, it's her. But that 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 could happen as well. It's unlikely. Um, but if, if both of those fail, then he will be in jail until his trial, and and I don't know yet when that will be. Pretty scary. What would you real quick? What would you what would you advise your Canadian neighbors? I mean, your American neighbors. Stand up. Yes. Push back. Yes. You have the best constitution in the world. You better use it while you still got it. Hey, great advice, James. Thanks for being here. I may be calling you back to get an update on this. Thanks. Okay. Take care. All right, that's James Kitchen of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms in Canada. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Hundreds of thousands of people in Texas are in their fourth day without electricity. The power outages in the state dropped to below 500,000. But a water crisis is also growing. Seven million people have been ordered to boil their water before consuming it. This week's extreme weather has been blamed for the deaths of more than 30 people, some of whom perished while struggling to keep warm inside their homes. The temperatures should be warming by the weekend. The number of Americans applying for unemployment aid rose last week to 861,000, evidence that layoffs remain high. Despite a steady drop in confirmed coronavirus infections, major indexes closing lower on Wall Street. The Dow fell 119 points, the Nasdaq off 100, and the S&P was down 17. This is SRN News. Excuse me, why don't you have life insurance yet? I've got diabetes, and I know the price will be through the roof for the pre-existing condition. Well, actually, SelectQuote makes it easy to get very affordable life insurance, even if you have a health issue. I'm listening. You'll get quotes from some of the country's most trusted carriers. Even with your diabetes, you can get around $250,000 in insurance for as little as a dollar a day. That would be amazing. <laughs> What's it called again? Select Quote. Just call or go to selectquote.com to get your free quote. Get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Call 1-800-694-1010 or go to selectquote.com today. That's 1-800-694-1010 or selectquote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Get full details on example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Monthly premiums vary based on health company and other factors. Not available in all states. Dr. Sebastian Gorka wants the GOP to stand up. Why do the Republican senators sit for this charade? All 44 of those senators should show some backbone. Get up, take their masks off, and leave. Show the world that this is an embarrassment. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. The Synergy Group hopes this message finds you safe and healthy. Roy Locks and his team understand the concerns you have about your well-being. Those concerns may include your investments based on recent volatility in the markets. Roy believes the stock market will recover eventually, but he also understands the importance in taking steps to limit losses and finding upside. Now is the time to consider structured investments that can help you recover losses caused by COVID-19 and the recent market fallout. Call Roy today at 412-673-7760. He can help you focus on future upside in your retirement accounts. He is confident in strategies tailored for you. Roy Locks and the Synergy Group are eager to help in this turbulent period of uncertainty. 412-673-7760. That's 412-673-7760. Please be well and stay safe. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FEDRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. J.W. Cole Financial and J.W. Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group Incorporated. These days, physical distance can keep us safe and healthy, but emotional distance can strain relationships, especially if drugs or alcohol are involved. If substance abuse or addiction is creating a barrier between you and your child, you may feel alone and you may not know where to turn, but we're here to help you and your family. Partnership to End Addiction offers free resources, guidance, and support just a click away. To end addiction, start with connection. To learn more, reach out to us at drugfree.org. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer.
Plenty of congestion out there. Outbound on the Parkway, east delays around the Squirrel Hill Tunnel and on the inbound side. A couple extra minutes getting to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Now we're also seeing some delays on the outbound West End Bridge. Monroeville-Forbes Road is still blocked with construction between Haymaker Road and Westmoreland Road. Munhall Structure Fire, Harrison Street near 837. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. A winter weather advisory is in effect until 7 a.m. Friday. Otherwise, for this afternoon, times of snow, accumulating an additional 1 to 2 inches. Untreated surfaces will be slippery with a high 29. Overcast tonight with times of snow and flurries. Storm total snowfall 3 to 6 inches with a low 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The Answer. Remember the story of Nick Sandman, the high school kid who was trashed by the liberal media for having the nerve to wear a MAGA hat on his high school field trip to the March for Life in Washington. And eventually uh, he sued a CNN and the Washington Post for lots of money, also NBC, I believe. Uh, that entire story hasn't been told, but it's about to be in a new documentary called Rush to Judgment. And Gabe Kaminsky, an intern at The Federalist, and by the way, a student at Pitt, has seen it. He joins us now. Gabe, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, this this first of all, you're a student at Pitt. That's great that you're doing an internship at the Federalist, Federalist and it's a, a great piece you wrote there. Appreciate that. Uh, but, Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, th- this happened two years ago, uh, the story with uh, Nick Sim. What's the angle on this documentary? Yeah, um, you know, the, the documentary is really focusing on the media's malfeasance coverage of, uh, of what happened at the Lincoln Memorial with Nick Sandman and the kids at Covington Catholic. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, this video went viral, a social media clip of Sandman and uh, Nathan Phillips, a, an activist. Um, and video, um, it, it was taken out of major con- un- context. Uh, you know, these kids were harassed um, throughout the entire event by, by Hebrew Israelites. A, a sort of Black Panther-esque movement. Um, and Phillips actually approached um, Upsandman through the event. So, so the, the, essentially, this documentary by Steve Oldfield and Ryan Anderson, um, it, it covers the media's horrible bird's-eye-view coverage of uh, sort of trying to paint, uh, just because a kid was wearing a MAGA hat, as a racist. Yeah, and how, how about the, the media's early reporting on this story? Um, that was... I mean, the way they just jumped on this as a group, I mean, it was a feeding frenzy. Yeah. Yeah, the media jumped on, you know, this kid uh, immediately. And it it was really unfortunate. You know, uh, Kentucky actually recently approved a bill to ban doxing for kids under 18, which which would have been nice if that was uh, the case when this horrible event happened. But the media immediately jumped on it uh, because it really supported their narrative that, uh, you know, kids or just people in general who wear Make America Great Again hats who support Donald Trump or Republicans, you know, they're all awful people. And uh, and it, their narrative fell short because they did not look at the facts, um, which is that these kids were being harassed and they were actually approached it at the event. Um, you know, this guy came in with a drum, uh, you know, right into Sandman's face. And Sandman, you know, he could have fought back. He could have. You know, he was put in a tough situation, and they just stood there, and uh, the media used that, and people blew up. It all blew up. Yeah, now, um, you, um, in your piece at the Federals today, you re- described the uh, this documentary, Rush to Judgment, as a deep dive. So... Um, how deep did they dive, and like what what comes out of that documentary that maybe even people who were pretty familiar with the story might be surprised to hear that what they know that hasn't come out yet? Yeah, so um, th- these are stories that you know the documentary covered stories that have not been reported on national level, um, and you know what happened at the Lincoln Memorial at the March for Life event it really affected a lot of kids just in general at Covington uh, Catholic. Uh, you had one boy at the event, an African-American boy, who went to Covington Catholic, who, uh, who was being taunted and harassed really bad by the Hebrew Israelite group. 
uh, just called really being called really mean names, uh, really awful names that you can't recite on air. Um, and that boy was really traumatized. He actually dropped out of Covington Catholic because of this event. Um, and so this, this documentary is actually the first people to have interviewed uh, this kid who's very brave for giving the interview. He dropped out, and uh, uh, that's you know certainly one of the more insane scenarios. The, uh, another scenario um, that has not been widely reported that's important in this documentary is uh, there was a boy who was m- misidentified as Nick Sandman, uh, who goes to the high school. Uh, he wasn't even at the March for Life event. He was actually at his brother's wedding in Kentucky. Um, and so he wakes up on January 19th um, and he was receiving all kinds of crazy threats. His family was being threatened. Uh, he was being boxed online. People posted his address. Uh, so they get home to, they go back to Kentucky and uh, the mother was receiving crazy threats. Uh, they had to set a police officer outside their house. Um, so I think the important thing we learned from this documentary is that this really affected, you know, a wide range of people. And this is really only touching on it. I think um, there's really a lot more to unpack. I think that the documentary could further more information could be revealed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the, it's interesting because, um, you know, when this story was, was going on, when we were hearing about it, and even in the, in a few months afterward, uh, someone might look at it and say, okay, so they, you know, said some bad, uh, mean things about the kid and uh, get over it. And, you know, just move on. But it wasn't just the the media's uh, coverage of the story itself. It's the media not being aware of what that kind of coverage can do to somebody's life. And uh, I don't think people, maybe people can learn from this exactly what kind of an effect it can have when the media unfairly uh, targets somebody or, or labels right, somebody. I think- yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think a big problem is you have national outlets that sort of do these uh, bird's eye view stories of, of local areas, and they really don't do the good reporting. Um, you know, this is just representative of why Donald Trump got elected. You know, uh, Trump's Trump's win was a referendum on on the media's malfeasance and uh, lack of really taking the time to do the proper reporting. Um, so I think what we can take from this is. Uh, you know, we need a media that is really doing, doing the, getting the facts first. And uh, we've seen a lot of outlets, specifically you know, CNN, Washington Post, MSNBC, who all had to settle uh, an undisclosed amounts of defamation suits with the Sandman family. They have not been doing the reporting. Yeah. Uh, what, what made the two producers decide to do this? Yeah, so um, Steve, the director, he is from... Uh, the town of, he's from Northern Kentucky. He went to Covington Latin and he actually, I believe he teaches part-time high school classes. So he actually uh, is pretty familiar with the school. Um, and he actually, he woke up, Steve has a background in, uh, you know, filmmaking. He worked at a Fox syndicate for many years. Steve woke up on the morning of the 19th and was receiving a lot of texts about sort of video and famine, you know, mocking him. Uh, he, he knows he has friends that like the Washington Post, the New York Times, sort of, uh, big outlets, leftist outlets. Um, and he was very passionate about it. He was like, he, you know, he, he was finding himself defending the kid because he's frankly very familiar with this school. It's a very religious school. And, and then he did a deep dive and called the school. Um, he talked to the assistant principal who said, this kid's a great kid. He's from a great family. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is not it's not right how he's being represented. So, uh, Steve, Steve called his friend, uh, Ryan Anderson, who's a producer and they met on that Sunday and they actually covered a protest that Nathan Phillip, that was, uh, in reaction to, um, the event that happened the day prior March for life outside of the school. And they just, they, and from there they started, uh, they reached out to Nick and they started sort of building, building an investigation. And these guys aren't conservatives, are they, necessarily? Yeah, that, see, that's really the interesting part about it. Um, you know, Steve, Steve's a libertarian, um, and Ryan, uh, Ryan is uh, he's a little more left-leaning. So I think the important thing we deduct from this is it's really not a right-left issue. 
Um, it's just a right issue, as Steve noted to me um, when I spoke to him on the cell phone. Um, and this is representative of, you know, we represented in how we see that uh, the organization who's hosting them to speak to college campuses, uh, the Contemporary Initiative Alliance, um, they are actually a very far left organization that um, a lot of times brings like Black Lives Matter uh, spokesmen to college campuses. So it's really interesting that they're working. They're not coming from a you know conservative angle. So Black Lives Matter is kind of cooperating with this? Well, I wouldn't say that Black Lives Matter is cooperating with it. Um, yeah. I'd say that yeah, I, I wouldn't say that by any stretch. I'd say that the organization um, who is sort of trying to work with them to bring the college campuses, uh, they work with a, yeah. a, a, you know, a wide variety of people of ideology. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Nathan Phillips, the Native American with the drum... That added, uh, obviously, another ingredient to the story uh, because it allowed everybody to play the race card. Um, right. How was is he portrayed in the documentary um, and uh, compared to how he might have been portrayed in the days and weeks after this happened? Right. So Nathan Phillips was paraded around on national outlets after what happened, uh, you know, uh, he went on, I believe, MSNBC for an interview, uh, and and the left media was really loving it, and they were not looking into the facts. Um, the left media early on said that Nathan Phillips was a Vietnam War veteran, and they sort of used that as a rallying cry, along with sort of his Native American heritage. Um, when the reality is, Nathan Phillips is actually not the Vietnam War veteran. Uh, he lied about that on several occasions, and actually, uh, he spoke to a reporter on TV and acknowledged that pretty much. Uh, so Nathan Phillips, you know, the total fraud, um, but he used this event uh, as a stepping for national attention. Well, let me ask you something. We're talking to Gabe Kaminsky. He's an intern at The Federalist. He wrote a great piece about this uh, documentary that's coming out, uh, Rush to Judgment, about the uh, Nick Sandman um, uh, incident at the uh, Lincoln Memorial a couple years ago. Um, and I'm just wondering... You are working as an intern at the Federalist, uh, and you're a student at Pitt. So, what is your major, and what what does your what have you learned as a student? Because that's what you still are. What have you learned about working in the media and studying the media from doing this piece? Yeah, so I'm an English major. I'm minoring in uh, U.S. history. I'm a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm interning at the Federalist through the National Journalism Center, uh, which is through the Young America's Foundation. I highly recommend it to any listeners, um, who are in college or recently graduated. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, you know, in general from this piece, I think this was a really valuable learning piece. You know, you just, you do these stories and you learn about how, uh, reporting is not being done to the adequate extent it needs to be doing today. And, you know, that's something I, you know, was thinking before, but I think you do sorts of stories like this and you just, you really see an example of uh, how national media outlets, they use uh, local stories or social media buzz to support their own narrative. And in the end, that's to make money and drive views. Yeah. Um, we had a, I had a, uh, a Vita Duffy. Do you know her? Uh, yeah. Uh, now, uh, we had her on a couple weeks ago, and the same thing happened when I read her story <clears throat> as when I read yours, is that the, the, the piece was so well written and so professionally done that I was shocked to see that the, the author of the piece was an intern. Now, are you, did, did you submit this story, and then ha- was it, uh, how, how much did it have to be edited? You can, you can, uh, you know, say that without. I teach a course in in uh, at, at uh, in broadcast journalism, uh, TV broadcast journalism. So I and I'm critiquing people that are your age all the time and at your position. So when you write the piece, do you submit it and you get pretty much what you wrote gets in there, or do they are they doctoring it up quite a bit? Yeah, I mean, it, it always depends. You know, I think. Sometimes maybe you write a story and, and, it, and it looks good on the first draft. I think most times you'll see that you write something and, you know, maybe it needs a little tweaking. Uh, 
maybe there's some quotes that are, are taken out of context. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's always a learning experience. I mean, for this story in particular, how I came upon it, I received actually an email from Steve because uh, he had read an article of mine, The Daily Wire review with, uh, with uh, an actor from Run, Hide, Fight, uh, which was a movie that Daily Wire put out. Um, Steve just just told me a story. He sent some links to the documentary website, and I'm like, yeah, this is an awesome story. So I pitched it to the editors, and they liked it. So you weren't assigned the story. You came up with the story idea. Well, I, yeah, I, I received a tip about it, um, and I, yeah, I followed up about it. Yeah, but I mean, it, the part of, part of it, part of learning how to do this stuff is that knowing a good story when you see one. And when you got this e- email, you said, "Hey, I can write about this, right?" Yeah, I mean, I, I I looked it over, and you know, I got the first day, and I wasn't totally sure. And then I, I looked it over, and I thought this was a great story, so I figured I would see what uh, what the editors thought. So you know, and I'm I'm very happy that they uh, they were interested in running it. Now, have you uh, gotten the bug now? Or are you going to be a member of the stinking media like I have been for a long time? <laughs> Well, we'll see. You know, I'm an intern, so I'm a, I'm a junior. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get into journalism when I graduate. You know, I love to write. So. Well, hey, Gabe, you did a great job on the piece, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. And it can be found at thefederalist.com. Gabe Kaminsky. Thanks for coming on, Gabe. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Okay, that's Gabe Kaminsky. He's an intern, but you'll be hearing from him. He's a really good writer, and we'll be right back. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through dollar bank get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office choose from 100 percent vinyl commercial aluminum wood and composite and to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere you'll also get 10 percent off your total project when you mention this show Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring, but one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call one 800 990-6976 That's 1-800-990-6976 As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-free the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away 100% chemical free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Go, pestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. Wow. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. 
But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is, one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit. Like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So uh, yesterday, when the, in the aftermath of Rush Limbaugh dying, uh, the, the, you could see big differences between liberals and conservatives. As somebody pointed it out, I don't know who it was, uh, all this hate that came out for Rush Limbaugh, a lot of it, and maybe most of it coming from like college professors, people like that, academics, and other people, celebrities. Uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, you didn't hear any of that from, from conservatives. No hate, nothing. Uh, most people had very good things to say about her, that they disagreed with her, but that she, you know, they didn't, they didn't rip her. So I want to just read. This is Dolly Parton's. They, they, uh, they wanted to make a statue for Dolly Parton, and this is what she sent to the state legislature. I want to thank the Tennessee legislature for their consideration of a bill to erect a statue of me on the Capitol grounds. I'm honored and humbled by their intention, but I have asked the leaders of the state legislature to remove the bill from any and all consideration. Given all that is going on in the world, I don't think putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time. I hope, though, that somewhere down the road, several years from now, or perhaps after I'm gone, if you still feel I deserve it, then I'm certain I will stand proud." in our great state capital as a grateful Tennessean. In the meantime, I'll continue to try to do good work to make this great state proud. That's Dolly Parton, a conservative, uh, real down-to-earth American woman. That's her response. Just to give you a difference, uh, Dolly Parton, I think Barbara Streisand would be somebody who would be her equivalent in show business, I think. A story about Barbara Streisand. Uh, I knew a guy who worked for the Anaheim Ducks doing hockey play-by-play. She came there to do a concert. Before she came there, everybody in the organization, the Anaheim Ducks organization, was told in a, in a form, uh, in an actual a memo, do not make eye contact with Barbara Streisand. That's part of her policy when she shows up for a concert. Compare that to Dolly Parton. What else do you need to know? The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.